0: Well, hello, and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy and the Integration Process. So today I'm so excited to welcome Alan and to have this deep dive into how he changed his life with the help of the mother Ayahuasca and find his purpose and now helping other people, you know, to to do the same thing through various offerings. And uh, I'm just really excited to dive into the treasure of knowledge that he has and to share with you guys you know some really good little hidden gems that you can take away from this conversation so t- stay till the end and stay tuned and welcome Alan so nice to have you yeah. here
1: thank you Nina thank you Love- for asking me. and let, let me know if any time you can't you can't understand me because of my accent
0: yeah that's perfect I think I'm gonna be fine living in Ireland for a while <laughs> so um yeah just a very technical thing when we finish talking let's just mute ourselves so the background noise possible background noise is not going to disturb the recording okay so um, my first question to you Alan is just obviously what I always ask from people that how did you meet the mother ayahuasca and then what happened in your life when you when you made this encounter
1: yeah okay I'll I'll start a little bit earlier than that Um, I started my spiritual quest it was actually a Hero's Journey, where I left England, where I was born at the age of 28, Uh, I was suicidally depressed and I was guided, I have a spirit guide that I've been working with uh, since then, his name's Amantane and he guided me on my spirit journey around Asia for 18 months uh, to find the source of happiness, if it was even possible, Um, and I I did find the source of happiness, uh, and I uh, found uh, that as happiness grew, did my depression lessened, and I... I'm not depressed now. I haven't been depressed for over 30 years, thankfully. And I, uh, I'm happy, I've been happy for 30 years. Uh, so when I actually dis- discovered uh, ayahuasca, I was already happy. I didn't come to ayahuasca out of desperation or uh, you know, deep sort of transcendental um, issues. I really came to ayahuasca because I, I was interested in shamanism. So I got interested in shamanism Sort of from a younger age, I didn't know it was shamanism, but I was I was going off on these adventures into the cosmos in my imagination from the age of about 18, following taking LSD quite regularly, and it sort of showed me that there was these other realms of um, you know parallel universes that. I, I, you know, it was completely new for, to me from being raised uh, in a strict Catholic sort of upbringing. Uh, and so I, I would go off on my little adventures in the mind. And that, that eventually led me to realize that I was um, doing shamanic journeying. So I, I was interested in shamanism. Uh, also Buddhism and different developing positive states of mind whatever that entailed and then in 2005 I went to live in Peru I'd already spent a year traveling around South America in the the late 80s um, and hearing about shamanic practices but I I didn't really uh, explore the plant kingdom um, and until 2005 when I decided to go there to peru to get better with my spanish and also to you know um really delve deeper into south american culture and, and traditions and so i went to peru um with that intention of, of understanding the culture a bit but also the uh, shamanic side of of life there so that was uh, 2005 so it was very specific i i wasn't just looking for ayahuasca um ceremonies or experiences i, I wanted to see how it tied into the sort of the other shamanic work uh, or practices that i'd already been doing uh, for uh, probably about six or seven years up to that point and, and then the, the journey for a lot much longer you know since i was a late teen so that's that really what, what brought me to it But when when I went to Peru, I'd actually recently, uh, prior to that, developed tinnitus, which is a very loud ringing in the ear, and it was sort of freaking me out. So I did specifically go to ayahuasca to to find uh, if it could help me with my tinnitus, which was a bit, you know, really not allowing me to have any any peace in my mind or or tranquility, Um, and it was also stopping me from doing meditation because I I I couldn't concentrate or focus on my you know, meditation practice, I, want, I wanted to, to see if I could resolve that. And that's why I, that was kind of like the medical reason why I wanted to experience ayahuasca.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting. I also had a medical reason. So I'm curious just to fast forward like more than 15 years. How is the tinnitus now? Do you still have it?
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, I, I do have it, but um, and, and I was shown in those initial uh, ayahuasca experiences I, that my tinnitus wouldn't go away, uh, but my life would be very different. I didn't know how. Um, that the, in a way, the tinnitus was a gift that had brought me to ayahuasca, um, and I would I would learn to manage it. But interestingly enough, I was in a ceremony. I took a uh, group down to prove Last year, maybe I forget now, maybe a little bit longer, and uh eighteen months and i I was actually told that I was going to um work on my healing my hearing in in that retreat, and so that was with a hoy and maestro uh, uh, called bure and so i did i, I fo- focused on my hearing and I, it did get better and and the, yeah the is still there but my hearing got better
0: that's that's so interesting do you think that this is still you are in a process of a learning experience and it is still unfolding or did you receive any information about what what what, what is the meaning of this that you know this is going on for so long
1: that. Yeah, well, when I went to see the, the original show, when I went to see his name, all I know him as, as Maestro Pedro, and he was on the outskirts of Cusco. I was um, introduced to him by a, a herbalist, a Peruvian herbalist that I'd become friendly with. And all I knew him as, as Maestro Pedro, and that was in 2005. And um, so I went to him and I said, you know, the reason I feel that the reason that uh, my spiritual practice was on the decline was because I developed tinnitus. Because I couldn't focus on my meditation, uh, Buddhist meditation practices, and he said, "Okay, yeah, all right." So he d- he, d- he worked on me. I went to see him many times uh, while I was down in Peru, and he he said to me one time, "You know, Alan, the tonight the tonitis happened because you uh, you were losing interest in your spiritual practice. It was kind of like there to to bring your attention back to it. You were blaming the tinnitus but actually the tinnitus developed because you needed to be, have your attention drawn to the fact that you were not being focused in your, you know, your meditation practice, etc. So it was actually the opposite. And he, he sort of pointed that out to me. So I'd say that that's probably why I developed tinnitus. And, And now I see it as like, you know, angels just singing in my head.
0: Wow, this is so powerful. And uh, I can relate, you know, to the experience of something turning out to be the opposite and the challenges turning into gifts and all that kind of stuff. So, and I think that especially when we are working with the mother ayahuasca, this this oftentimes happen that there is such a shift in perspective that's something that you know we looked at the enemy before becomes you know a friend or an ally in some way in the end and you talk about this uh in your book quite extensively that there is really a couple of core problems that manifest in a myriad of ways in people's life as dysfunction or illness yeah. and uh, I, I, I really resonate with that, and that's something I found in my practice. Would you Would you like to share a little bit about what are those that you found found that those core issues, and how does that relate to healing in general? You know, and how did you discover this through your own experience?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, the, the um, good question. I mean, it, it, in a way, it, it is the core of uh, the human experience. You know, that we have these these conditions um that deplete us but they they happen because we are energetically depleted so um i'll, I'll speak about them in a minute but I'll, I'll just speak more about the shamanic paradigm about why why we experience uh, unhappiness or sadness or uh, limited men- mental states or belief systems uh, or you know physical um you know conditions they all come from the same thing which is soul loss so you've, you've heard of soul loss and, and basically soul soul loss is one of one of the, the three main reasons why from the shamanic perspective we we get sick or, or out of balance and the primary one is soul loss the second one is um power loss and uh the third one is um <laughs> i forget the third one <laughs> anyways so it's like a, a animal uh power that has been depleted from us you know um so it'll come back to me sorry but uh so what happens when we have soul loss is, you know, we, we, we are energetically depleted but we also disassociate we uh that's known more in western terms as disassociation or um fragmentation of, of the psyche and when, we, when we're Physi- physically and um, spiritually disassociated or mentally dissociated we're out of balance and and so when we're in those states we are it, with our diminished power we are not operating from the full power base so we r- receive information uh, that is usually uh, causes us to fear fear life and the, the original trauma that caused the original Soul loss tends to be the sort of the most powerful fundamental reasons that we're disassociated but also out of balance and energy energetically depleted so from the shamanic perspectives you have to reverse that you have to uh, bring the power back um, but also what happens that when you're energetic when you have soul loss or you, you disassociate something fills that space so that energy goes somewhere outside of your Uh, energy field but something else fills that there can be no vacuum in in the energy field and that that thing that fills it is um can come in as a neutral energy but it can also come in with um you know belief systems or thought forms from others around you of of influence which is generally your parents and your culture So those thought forms come into your energy field and they hold a particular sort of vibration or frequency um, of, let's say, uh, your parents' thought forms or anger, your father's anger, your your mother's uh, shame or or doubt. And and so you hold that, even though it's not harmful, intended as a harmful sort of like um, intrusion, it it does hold the, the... vibration of the originating cause of the soul loss and so you're held with that it becomes you it becomes like a little voice a diminishing voice in your life and those diminishing voice because because it's a, a different vibration usually a lower vibration than your own is, is a holds limiting belief such as you're not worthy and so the, the two uh, primary causes of sickness whether that be mental emotional or physical is you are not worthy and you are not safe and the reason that you don't feel safe is because of uh the conditions in your life that cause the originating soul loss and so we hold these in you know, we hold these patterns um in in our energy field which um becomes interpreted through our imag- imag- imaginal faculty as those two primary things one you're not safe two you're not worthy and what that means is you are not worthy to be loved, and so you go through life until you get these resolved. First of all, feeling unsafe in the world, which means that you operate from a place of hyper vigilance, extreme hyper and all the belief systems that develop out of you know this hyper vigilance state. Um, and the fact that you're not worthy to be loved means that you're not not worthy to uh, operate from a from a place of um, deep um, belief that you can you are a divine being and you know religion and and culture will play into that as well but so that's it and when you, when you operate from a place of love and safety which is my work to help people do that your life is you know is a different life you know you see yourself from a place of being um you know good enough and safe enough to to live do anything that you want and and those diminishing voices uh they I don't say that they go away but you um can elevate yourself from a place of confidence and power To not hear them and for them not to have any influence on you. So that's kind of like a quick overview of uh, you know my philosophy, but also based on shamanic um, cosmology and belief systems.
0: Yes, thank you so much. Uh, Wow, this is so deep. I think we can go into this really deeply, but um, let's just uh, say to our audience, maybe to understand it a little bit better, that what you are talking about, you know, and that shamanic language when you say soul loss is Basically, when something happens, for example, you are a child and your parents divorce, and you too little to cope with that experience and that grief and you decide to push that away and, you know, put it in a box somewhere. And you kind yeah. of, that's what you said, dissociate, you know, and not process that experience, just kind of try to separate from that. And yeah. then, you know, this keeps happening, you know, throughout our life, and everybody does this because it's a type of survival. <laughs> mechanism you know that happens and and then as you said when you don't have power you absorb you know dysfunctional coping mechanisms from your environment from your family you know you're trying to balance yourself out unconsciously but we don't know better so we are you know normally trying to do that in some dysfunctional way unconsciously and then that generates like more problems and 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 then it just like a downward spiral of you keep losing your power and your balance and your groundedness and your confidence and everything and those voices that you refer to that we internalize and we allow to enter into our heads get louder and louder and can totally take over you know sometimes and 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 drive somebody's life and that would be you know very much (laughs) out of balance and I think a lot of people can. And relate to that, you know, and I think that this uh, constant uh, epidemic of anxiety and depression and things like that is is definitely signs of what you are talking about. That most people live in a survival mode, you know, like our nervous system and everything, and we operate from be yeah. stuck, you know, in that state. And of course, there is no then then you struggle, you know, the struggle for survival. That's what's happening. And recently, I read this quote that so resonates with me and it said that at one point of your journey you have to let go of the person who you needed to become in order to get here who is a survivor because you needed to survive right and you need to let go if you want to thrive if you want to you know change and and have a different experience you need to let go of that identity that that person that behavior and, and that is a big, big uh, undertaking, you know, uh, to get to that point, because in at the end of the day, what we are talking about is a total denial of truth, which is that you are a divine all powerful spiritual being, you know, that 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 would be an opposite of I am not worthy of love, which is not even making sense because you are out of love made you know like so it's just you know it, it would be that complete dissociation and disconnection from our true nature or who we really are or whatever you know and and then we suffer the further away from we are of that true nature that is you know comes out of love and safety that you mentioned the more we keep suffering and the closer we get you know back that the less suffering and more happiness it is as, as you said and and I think that's the purpose of all spiritual and healing practices to kind of Get back to this. Um, I don't know, remembering or how would you call that? Like, I mean, how did this happen to you? Like, if you can summarize a little bit your process, that I'm sure that you were not aware of all of this, before, you know, when you were younger. So, how did you kind of become aware of this, so to say?
1: Yeah. Well, I just want to comment on on what you were saying. That yeah, we we uh, yeah we have our true nature, and and our true nature uh, becomes sort of distorted. What we we believe our true nature to be and so we sort of make up our true nature based on our, our past experiences you know our life is defined very much by our past experiences and we, we believe that that is how the world is you know and so we we have to prove that we're right or we have to live in live in a world defined by our belief of how the world is and so that's why we develop these you know these coping mechanisms or, or belief of the world or you know, let's say the victim um, you know, archetype. We develop all these things because we we believe we are a victim because we have been victimized. Um, but if we didn't have soul loss, we wouldn't uh, believe it. But we believe it because we're much more vulnerable and exposed to believing deme- diminished patterns. Because one, we're not worthy, and and two, we're not safe. And so we believe things that the world isn't safe, and we and we have. We have to continually prove that the world isn't safe and we have to continually prove that we're not worthy to be loved because that's our view of who we are you know because we've been hypnotized into those beliefs by you know by our life experiences and our past um and it's and we're you know in a way our sort of natural propensity believe negative patterns because we're, we're human and that's just tends to be what we do um but you know my my own journey i was, I was guided i, I was suicidally depressed I, I was going to commit suicide this particular day in was it 1980 86 uh, I was 28 years old and then I heard, heard a voice say do you want to live or do you want to die and I'd never heard anything like that before and I was like who was that you know I was on my own in my apartment in South London and I said well I want to die and you know this voice again said do you want to live or do you want to die and he actually showed me in in saying that how to how to access a part of myself that I wasn't used to accessing, which was my heart centre. I operated generally people that are hypervigilant or unsafe or unworthy operate from from the head and they think think themselves into oblivion and desperation. And I, I was suddenly shown how to access my heart centre. And I was like, oh my God! You know, this was a gentler relationship to myself than I, I could ever remember having. And he showed me that. Uh, this all happened in a, in a split second. And I thought, I oh, I want to live, but how do I do that? And this was, you know, it was a very transformative experience. And and I i had the uh enough awareness to know that this voice was uh, wanting the best for me and i didn't know whether this voice was my higher self or an internal voice or an external voice but i, I didn't really care at that point and i just said well show me how and, and he he told me he said you've got to leave england and you're gonna go on this journey around asia for 18 months and this you know i'd never even barely left england gone to visit my mother's family in ireland pretty much you know and. Um, so to leave england for 18 months and go on a hero's journey before i even knew that that was a real thing um i said yes and i actually quit my business and uh left england and decided to start my journey in asia because i, I kind of figured that asia was a, it was a really spiritual country and it, i would learn a lot there um about you know myself and uh religion other than christianity which i've been brought up into i i just i heard this voice uh and his name's amantana and he's been with me ever since guiding me and he he showed me how to how to to live uh, a life or what i needed to do anyway certain challenges i had to go through to um strengthen my spirit to elevate myself beyond my limiting belief and uh, patterns of my life and i didn't i couldn't express it in that way then but now looking back, that's that's what he was showing me how to do, and to uh, start to think more positively, to start to stop uh, being so um, self self sort of limiting by being you know hypercritical of myself because if you're depressed you're hypercritical that the two go together and uh you know you're just not good enough and it comes out of not feeling good enough and so i I had to learn to stop doing that and that that was really something that i've that's the journey i walk and and why i'm not depressed anymore because i i look at the you know the best and highest version of myself most of the time
0: wow that's 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 amazing and uh Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) very fortunate that you had this part of you or this entity or this angel or whatever, you know, who who is guiding you and was guiding you for a long time on this path. I I also want to add that we don't need that. I don't want people to think, you know, that you need a spiritual entity to guide you or something because... I think that, as I said at the beginning, that we all get to the same place, and now you can support others, and there are many human teachers as well who can help people and it's not everybody's path to have this type of guidance that that you you receive you know and and I and and I just want to say to people don't have the expectation that this is the way it has to be my awakening you know because it, it's different and and there is so many ways you know that 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 brings you to the to the same place and that's that's you know very much like what I learned through my work with the medicine and also with many physical teachers and, and and healers and spiritual teachers who affected me, right? And who brought, you know, parts of the messages and uh, and things like that. And um, that's why I'm so dedicated working with this plant because I really feel feel you know that it can she can go to the bring us to the root of the problem and see what is what is really because so many times i've been therapist for over 20 years and i see people having so many therapy and healing and workshop and reading the books and everything and 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 their life changes very little you know maybe there are small changes or maybe there are some temporary changes and uh, and i feel that this is because the things are not uprooted you know that we are making changes trying to make changes on the surface but we are not dealing with the real problems because we are not aware what the real problems are so I think that is such a gift of the medicine you know to help us to become aware what what the real problems are so we can really start to focus on it and do what we need to do to to approve them and to change them and it is possible and you and myself are a demonstration that it's possible to do that so um tell me a little bit more about because you know most of this work happens in the integration and not in the ceremony because it's not kind of like a 24 hour job to do this what we are talking about so what is kind of your best way to go about it or what would you recommend to people who are like i really resonate with this i want to overtake you know, overtake. This this journey and and uh, you know prepare for the best and take the best out of it
1: yeah so do you mean do you mean how, how do I encourage people to approach ayahuasca ceremony or how, how do I help them out following the experience with ayahuasca more
0: like the following yeah when when they already been through and now the real work
1: starts <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'll talk a little bit about the ayahuasca ceremony that i i write about in the book and one, one of ayahuasca's greatest attributes is to help you to strengthen your spirit um because when when you're physically depleted or disassociated you know, your, your spirit is uh, compromised. Your spiritual energy is compromised. Part of it has has fragmented. And so what what you can do actually for, uh, in the ceremonies, you can prepare the landscape inside of yourself for that spirit part to come back. You, you can do your own soul retrieval, but the, the landscape has to uh, look different to the landscape uh that existed when the soul part left because there's obviously a reason why that soul part left and that was a coping me- mechanism of the, of the of your spirit it didn't feel safe in that environment so it left so what the ayahuasca ceremonies can do is they can actually help you to recreate the landscape to be one that that, that spirit part or soul part will look at and go oh yeah i'm ready to go back now and, and part of it is, is to actually to strengthen yourself, strengthen your character, strengthen yourself beyond the point or, or, and face your fears so that you're not afraid in the way that you're afraid prior to going into the ceremony, even though it doesn't feel like that. Um, the fact that you, you step into that, that battle in a way, that psychological battle. You're already sort of making the, the statement. Okay, I'm going to do something fundamentally different in my life to change my life. And sometimes, as you well know, uh, there's a lot of fear, fear-based um, experiences that happen in ceremony. And you don't necessarily know why they're happening, but Ayahuasca knows that she's doing that. She's giving that opportunity to strengthen yourself to to create the internal environment where you you aren't don't have to be. Uh, you know, in fight or flight mode all the time, and when, when she sees that, she'll, that that soul, she would create help to create the environment for that soul part to come back. And what integration that can happen in ceremony, but you don't know it. The integration part, in a way, affirms that and and allows the soul parts to fully integrate um, with your support. And so that's really what from the shamanic viewpoints is happening. The integration is is the reintegration of that, that soul part that left all those years ago. But you have to af- continue affirm, no, I am safe. I, I am safe. I, I am not the little child that was four years old that when that soul part left. I'm an adult, you know, and I, I have full autonomy and full sovereignty to live the life of my choice and i am here you know as as the adult you know operating from the, my heart center to let you know little soul part that i can take care of you and so that that's really what the um the integration is the integration of that soul part
0: okay and what is your point of view on the integration process after the retreat or the ceremony that people go through and how you know they can be assisted on this
1: yeah um, well, you know, as you, as you said, there's in a way there's like universal wisdom around how integration happens and that there's very uh, obvious ones, you know, like, uh, be more self-reflective, be um, you know, more meditative, be, make clearer choices in, in, in your healthcare and the things that you, uh, you recognize weren't working for you before to change to change them so to, to support the your goals with changes that are necessary to support those goals you know you, things don't just happen by magic you, you have to the integration is a slow process it doesn't ha- just happen by magic and i know a lot of people come out of ceremony and they make these big claims about what they're going to do in their life. It's really, you know, it's really a better process and a, a much more um, likely process that those, those changes will uh, will integrate in a way that is actually healthy and helpful if you, if you do it slowly. And it, 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 it filters into your whole, uh, every cell of your body and it filters into your energy field. And it, so you become it, you know, you embody it. And when you embody it and you fully you're fully convinced that these changes are who you are, you start to see the world in a different way. And so the integration process are, are sort of reflective, kind, gentle, soft, you know, and I use different... Uh, process is definitely the creative process is helpful because when you when you're tapping into the creative process through doing artwork write, writing poems or or writing um generally or doing any sort of uh art form you it, you feel it you know you don't you don't just like, like slap paint on a canvas or or make a bowl you you're actually your whole body is involved in the process and and it's done in, in a way that is uh, ex- uh your exciting way it's it's uh a way that influences every cell of your being. So definitely engaging in processes like that. Um, and one of the things that when, when you're disassociated, you're out of balance. And so ultimately you're out of balance with nature because you are, you are nature. And one of the really important things with the integration process is to get back into balance with nature which means getting back into balance with yourself because you are nature and so spending time in nature in a in a much more mindful way than you may have done like you know going mountain biking is one one way but to actually lie face down on pachamama breathing into pachamama and you know hugging the trees and it sounds very hippie but you know really the trees are the healers you know they they they, uh know what to do when you ask them for it you know there's this divine intelligence in nature that it's it's very sort of uh, co-creative, and for example, e- even exhaling, you know, your carbon dioxide to offer it to the tree as 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 payment for the healing that the tree will give you, and in, in return give you oxygen, life force. So have this sort of sacred reciprocal relationship with nature is allowing you to harmonise with that which which you are, which is which is nature, and so to de- to develop a new relationship with the natural world. And it's very difficult when we live in concrete, but you know, you have to take time to lie. Life. I like love to tell my uh, clients to lie face face down on the earth. How how often do you actually lie? You usually lie lie on your back, looking at the you know sunbathing or something. But to actually lie face down and hug the earth with your open arms um, is a very powerful thing. And the, and the thing is that the earth is also Pachamama. Will will take your density, which what's known as hucha. Will take any density that you still want to purge from ceremony, and she will transform that as compost into food to feed you and and so it's a very that is the balance of nature It's this you know it's a sacred thing that we're all part of it and we're all involved and that that is one of the most powerful things that you can do to um actually restore balance and integrate you know to to uh, to recognize that you're part of this you know, universal field of awareness and consciousness that is creation and and to act more creatively you know I, i'd say uh, in relationship to yourself
0: yeah so well said uh, do you that uh, people need an integration guide just as they have a guide in the ceremony, maybe in the preparation that it is necessary or it is important that people have a Uh, like a kind of a professional container and guidance, at least for a good amount of time until they kind of settled into that new type of being, that new way of seeing and anchored more there? Or do you think that people can just do this on their own and investigate how to do it?
1: Yeah, both. both, Definitely. Uh, I know when I came to the medicine, I was already in my mid 40s. And I was just thrown into the you know, into the lion's pit in a way, without knowing anything. I haven't done much reading about ayahuasca or um, certainly in traditional uh, indigenous ceremonies, there is no talk about integration. You know there, there's no sort of real preparation i didn't even know about diet you know when i went in for my first ceremony uh, so i didn't know i didn't have any background i just would say you know bye to maestro pedro after the ceremonies and then see him a few days later and there wasn't really too much talk about what had happened you know in between my, my visits um, so that that tends to be the more traditional way because it 's part of the culture, right So you know if you grew up in a hunikun village in Accra in brazil you 're exposed to ceremonies of every month when they do their their big um, village ceremonies of one hundred and fifty people it's not it 's just part of your life, but in our, our world it 's not part of our um, our traditional culture and so it's much more important for us in the west definitely and i i just happened to be in my mid 40s and i'd already had a very strong buddhist practice i'd been been on this spiritual journey you know for, for how long like 20 years i was pretty i'd say i was fairly spiritually and uh, i would say fairly emotionally immature but my wife at the time probably wouldn't agree with you um but anyway so i i i sort of learned a lot in life about you know being being human and being on the spiritual journey so i don't feel i feel I didn't know about integration, but I'd also done, you know, mush, mushrooms and LSD and stuff. So I didn't really need psychedelic integration in the way that, say, a twenty-five-year-old might need it, who hasn't been exposed to as much of life as I had at the time. Um, it's definitely helpful to have a have a human if, if if they're willing to commit to that. I mean, I I have led a lot of people through ceremony. Very few of them have actually sought me out to do follow-up integration work. I, I tend to. Just do my healing sessions with them, uh, which kind of operate as in, you know, function as integration, but but very few of them, even though I I have offered it, um, we do sort of like WhatsApp groups and Zoom groups and things like that, but individual work. Not so much. Uh, they would, but having said that, they would benefit more from doing it.
0: Yeah, I so agree with you because I had similar beginnings in Peru that nobody told me about integration and <laughs> nobody talked about that topic over ten years ago. And yeah. uh, and and I agree with you completely that they don't need it because they are in the context, they are in the college part of their culture, they're understanding their worldview. But mm-hmm. we are so alien to the and then we come in and have these experiences and then we go back a lot of people go back they have this culture shock you know like and and uh, uh, i think you know that it's very beneficial for people and um, my like my speciality is the integration is the pre and the post that's what I'm more passionate about and Mm -hmm. I do a one-year integration like weekly sessions for a year like a deep dive and I have just such an amazing results with this and so I came to believe through this experience that you can really go as deep as you want to go you know even after one journey but sometimes I think people still continue to need some help, especially at the very beginning they start working with this medicine, because it's not like any any other healing methodology, you know, it's not how it works, it's very symbolic then yeah. you also you are you have your blind spots that's very hard to recognize you know and and there is a lot of pitfalls as well as you also mentioned in the book so i do recommend people from the west who yeah. go back to the west or live in the west you know that definitely best thing yeah. you can do is to have an integration therapist for a good while to yeah. until you mm-hmm.
1: and the other thing with uh so, let's say indigenous cultures i spent spending a lot of time in the Peruvian jungle and in, in the mountains, doing I also work with Wachuma uh, in you know, San Pedro. And speaking of which, Wachuma is an amazing integration tool. I don't know if you have uh, you worked with Wachuma, but you know Wachuma. I, I often do my retreats with ending with a Wachuma ceremony because it it actually is is a big part of the integration of the, the ceremonies prior to uh, you know that we've done prior the ayahuasca ceremony. So people don't need as much help if they've done Wachuma. Anyway, so um yeah, it's uh it's important and and so the indigenous cultures they think differently. They have they have different rationale. They're not always you know not thinking about traumas and shadow work and things like that, you know, it's just life is life and you know there's all these uh entities out there in the spirit world, you know, in the jungle that are sort of influence their life and they have to protect themselves or they they call them in or they engage with with the different herbs and plants, you know, you know in a much more sort of real way than we do in the West. In the West, we're much more sort of rational, linear, and so we have different way ways of absorbing it. And because it's so, so new to our culture, we don't understand it. We don't understand the process, but we we, we think it. We think our way to. You know, it's a lot through life, and and so it, you know when it, when a lot of these energies come up, you know that are being released. Uh, we we you know maybe internalise them, like you know if anger is being released, we go oh there's anger, and you start to you know do that sort of uh, monkey mind dance, you know where you're where you're um, thinking oh you're angry and all the reasons you're angry, but actually it's it's being expelled, and so it's very helpful to through that process to help people know no, no you actually they're coming up to be released and be healed on the way out. They're on their way out, let them go. But a lot, well, because we're so used to sort of internalizing these sort of patterns, we bring them in and, and don't allow them to be released. And so they, we feel like nothing's changed. And, and so it's very helpful through those processes, through the releasing process to have exercises and, and uh, help to to just, just be willing to let them go. And unfortunately, you know, because we, we have a habituated ways of, Behaving, we believe that is us. Yeah we grasp onto it because otherwise who would we be without it, you know? So just encouragement, you know, support and accountability partner to, to actually help us to move the patterns and and see things in a different way to the way that we've seen them all all along. Um, And the ayahuasca ceremonies are like this beautiful milestone where you can, you can start to move in a different direction. You know, you've gone through, you know, this, whether it's very powerful or fearful or very relaxed, it's something you chose to do to change your life so why not make the most of it and you know having somebody to help you to make the most of it you know we'll see the greatest change definitely
0: yeah i definitely see that in my practice that obviously we suppress things and dissociate from things that we don't want to see feel acknowledge there is a reason why so it can be quite a lot of resistance to kind of allow them to actually to be released to be let go and to be processed and uh, or you know simply people just uh, too afraid to go there because they feel that they're going to be overwhelmed and they won't be able to to handle it and definitely this can happen emotional flooding spiritual emergence you know things can definitely happen that that uh, can be very scary sometimes if you don't know what's happening or what what is that you are going through um so uh thank you for pointing that out and i really love that um, and i think it's so important to talk about this that this individual healing work and and that That developing that right relationship that you mentioned to ourselves, to our body, to our mind, you know, to our emotions. First and foremost, and and then to the Mother Earth, towards other people, towards all our relations, right? To to uh, uh change this because we are in the wrong relationship. That's why we are fighting. That's why we are suffering because we are in a state of war. You know, that's a wrong relationship to be in, right? And 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 we to to be in right relationship. It means to to do that with ourselves first. To be uh, a right relationship, which means to love and accept yourself you know first and do that work with yourself and then it will be naturally you know that would be expressed in your outer world and and I think that we have to emphasize that this is a service work for humanity you're not just helping yourself having a better life and more happiness and more joy and maybe being an inspiration for the people around you or 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 a help or motivation but you also just really tipping that collective scale you know to help us to get back into that right relationship that I think you know everybody everybody recognizes that we are a little bit sidetracked there and Mm -hmm. and feel maybe that's one of the reasons why this medicine is spreading like crazy I just read that the number one uh, keyword search within psychedelics is ayahuasca retreats so Mm -hmm. there is yeah a huge amount of interest and I was wondering maybe because I see a lot of people go through with this medicine of this correcting their relationship and, you know, finding that love within themselves and and therefore changing their life, you know, completely. And, and, and that leap of faith as well that you mentioned earlier, I think it's so part of the process. I mean, you just left your life and went to Asia and then went to Ecuador. And I mean, you completely have a different life. And I went through the same thing, right? And uh, and you need to make that leap of faith to get to yeah. the other yeah. side. And I it's think- Have an about-
1: action plan, <laughs>
0: yeah and i think a lot of people are, are very afraid and you can get help if you are afraid to help you release and and face some of the fears and then you will be able to make the leap and then your life really gonna change and unfortunately and there is not a safe way i don't think there is a safe you know you have to just make the leap what do you think
1: exactly yeah and uh you know if you if you don't make the changes nothing changes i but i speak a lot in my book about actions having consequences So one of the first buddhist teachings i learned which really shaped my my life and you know if, if you do if you follow a particular pattern and there's a certain outcome that comes from that behavior if you want to change the outcome you have to change the behavior and you know, it doesn't happen without those changes. And and also to change behavior you know, can be a leap of faith. It can be scary. You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, I'm afraid of my power? You know, I hear it a lot, you know, I'm so afraid of my power. So they, they, have, they can see their power. They have a sense of it, but they do self-diminishing things to keep themselves small and, and limited because they're afraid of who they really are, their divine self. And so ayahuasca can actually show them through some of the spiritual... Expansive relationships and in, in the entheogen to see the the God within. They can see that there's nothing to be afraid of with that power. It's actually a beautiful thing. And when they when they experience, wow, this is actually a beautiful thing, then they're more likely to, to move towards that light than to sort of keep themselves in the dark. And but sometimes it takes a little bit of coaching. So what did you do this week to you know to move for, out of the dark and into the light? And then, and you know they they coexist. You know they're light and the dark. They're coexisting you have a choice to make within yourself. Do you want to move to the light or do you want to stay in the dark? And the dark is still there when you move to the light, but it doesn't influence you. It doesn't affect you. Uh, but, you know, you can just sort of wave it say, hi, I remember you, but I'm in the light and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to stay in the light, which is what I've done. And I've made massive, choices in my life uh, but with confidence never with fear always with confidence and and ayahuasca gave me that you know so i'm grateful Mm, thank
0: Mm. you so much yes i uh, Mm. thank you for sharing (laughs) do you do you think there is something to it you know that the the mother ayahuasca is like going everywhere in the world now to yeah, make she, the yeah. she,
1: definitely has, she has a, She has a mission you know she definitely has a mission um and if only can she, she can spread uh, in a way that it sort of isn't abused or misunderstood it would be it would definitely be helpful um because you know a lot of people if they're in situations and ceremonies where they're not being well taken care of they can disassociate further you know so um and and so, you know I can, can, can is not always used for the right reason it can, it's an, a powerful energy powerful vibration and it can be used for bad as well as good so it has to be sort of monitored how how she has to uh, be involved in how she's used you know and not just be thrown to the masses um and uh, so it's important to have you know podcasts like this so people can hear you know what's involved but to be you know to be cautious in, in way how you where you drink like I know people drink uh, I've heard of people drinking ayahuasca burning man you know with like 80,000 people you know raving and it's just not a good environment it's not safe and it's harmful so you have yeah. to be careful because you're emotionally sensitive when you when you're on such a powerful entheogen um, and so it can, you know, and she can be used by sources as well as she can by healers. So um, it has to, I think it has, you know, she has to be contained and controlled, you know, uh, in, yes, in, in areas think, where. It's, yeah. so to use
0: yes uh, definitely i would love to have you for another conversation more about the dark side of you know and the brujeria we already have episodes about this so check out i think episode 36 and 37 we have two episodes Mm -hmm. of the abuse of power and the dark side of plant medicine but we always you know sharing more content of this to keep the awareness of the people Mm -hmm. as you very well said uh, she is a neutral tool you know she is nor good or bad it's how people use it and what they use it for and with what intention it is she is a very powerful tool and ally you know in, in any way that uh, sure. so I people have to be aware because I think definitely most people assume you know that she is a healer or good you know that nothing bad can happen Is a good spirit so to say so we're going to come back to that in another podcast <clears throat> so so stay tuned for that thank and you. yeah just to finish up uh, for today alan if you want to share a little bit about your offerings and what are you up to right now and where people mm-hmm. find you if they want to work
1: thank you i actually i'll show you having my manuscript my finished finished manuscript of my book it's uh it's called alchemical ayahuasca take the journey from depression to the sweet spot um and it's coming out on september the 29th so very soon it's a uh, working Quite hard on that uh, for the last eighteen months, um, and really, what what the book's about is my my spiritual journey, some of which I spoke about today, and my introduction to ayahuasca, and you know, uh, way you know ways to work with ayahuasca, how to benefit the most from them. Um, but also, the last part of the book is is healing techniques. So I, I'm I'm a healer. I, I own earn my living by doing healing work and supporting people in their healing process. And what I learned from ayahuasca um, through you know early on primarily through one man, his name is um, Don Ignacio Duri. He's now dead, but he was in his eighties when I first met him in in Peru. And he was like the Zen master of ayahuasca. And his ceremonies were very gentle. Um, And I was like, what's, you know, he's not even, is he even awake? And I I realized, well, no, he's the Zen master, you know, so pay attention. And what I learned out of it was that, you know, ceremonies didn't have to be that hard to benefit. And it it was like a metaphor for my life. Like life doesn't have to be that hard, does it, Alan? wake up you no know, like and so my whole ethos uh was was transformed through those ceremonies and through the ayahuasca approach where she didn't have to give me hard ceremonies for me to learn and i don't have what i would say hard ceremonies i have uh ceremonies where i learn so i'm being taught how to use her as a, as a um, facilitator but also as a healer how, how to help people to heal so she's taught me how, how to how to help people heal and what she taught me is that you know we choose the hard path uh, just by default in a way because of our early life experiences and that life you know the world is not safe and we're not worthy to be loved so we develop all these belief systems that we're a victim or we're going to be abandoned or you know when we're we're doubting our, our potential you know a lot of people i work with there they want to be healers but they have training after training after training but they don't actually step out into the world because you know they develop these these belief systems uh, that they're you know they're, they're not going to be worthy to do it and uh, help people. So I help people to to learn the easy way to to live. That uh, is it's actually a life in flow, a life where you don't have these energy blocks that are resisting life but also containing the patterns that have in a way hypnotized you to believe that you're not safe you're not worthy so the book is very much about that it's about how to live a simple life and the teachings are very simple because they can't be complicated you know i can't teach about living a simple life and teach you know complicated methods to do that everything's very simple it's kind of like uh we know it already we know all this stuff but i just sort of like it into like this 200 plus pages of understanding oh yeah it's simple this some people say oh it can't work it's too simple and that's just resistance you know and so how do you how do you move to a a place of recognizing that simplicity is the most powerful way to live and so i help people with that i I train people in that i do what i call shamanistic reiki uh, trainings in ecuador where we live now we're creating a retreat center Uh, i also teach reiki we do breath work um, I use breathwork a lot. Uh, a, a simple breathwork technique. It's not hyperventilating. It's a, a very gentle breathwork technique. And we also do ceremonies down here. And we work. We're starting to work with indigenous um, locals that you know I want to help support on their uh, with their livelihood and so and also my own learning so that's what we do we, we operate in ecuador we still function we have kind of like a satellite in mount shasta in northern california where i had a retreat center for seven years sacred valley spiritual retreat and we've now moved to full time more or less with the retreats down to ecuador the sacred valley retreats and so you can contact me Via my website, which is um, sacredvalleyretreats.com, um, spiritwisdomhealing.com, and also this book, which uh, comes out. Alchemical Ayahuasca. The nice quote from Graham Hancock at the top there. Um, who, uh, you know, to learn more about what I do and just really learn that life doesn't have to be that hard
0: definitely and i had the honor to read the manuscript and definitely i recommend that anybody you know on the plant medicine path can benefit a lot of reading this book and we always learn from each other so thank you for your offering thank you for your service and i would love to have you back you know for another episode because there is a lot to talk about of course and this is a way Or, way of also trying to educate people and share good information, you know, that can assist hopefully many people. So, we are relying on you, our audience, to share this podcast with your friends and to like and subscribe to our channel. And also, let us know if you have any of these beliefs that I'm not safe, I'm not worthy, and I don't deserve to be loved, and how much you operate out of these beliefs in your life. And, Are you ready maybe to take a leap of faith and move to the other side? So please let us know where you are in your journey. And if you have any topics you want to hear about also you can send us a message and uh, the last thing I want to mention is our teacher training coming up for ayahuasca integration so this is for integration facilitators that is coming up next year and we have the early bird uh, till the end of this month till the end of September so go to my website avatar healing arts and training uh, slash training program and that's that's where you find the information and come for a discovery call if if that's something that resonates with you. So thank you, Alan. And hopefully we'll be back soon. I
1: hope so. Lovely chatting with you, Nina.
0: Yes, so nice to chat with you and have a wonderful day, everybody. Lots of love to you all.